welcome to the Boss Ladies Podcast. I'm Olivia Wary, and as a young female working in the industry of technology, I'm constantly struggling to find my voice and overcome challenges thrown my way. I've decided to have conversations with boss ladies in every industry to hear how they do it. Boss Ladies is intended to inspire women and men of all ages to overcome their fears, explore moonshot thinking, speak up for who they are and what they believe in, and move up in their respective industries. Every day we are faced with challenges, so it is my intention to empower you to get the advice you need by interviewing top executives who have been through it all. On today's episode of Boss Ladies, please welcome Mallory Schmoll. Mallory obtained her doctorate of pharmacy, PharmD, from Purdue, graduating in 2010. She then studied in Kenya, which piqued her inspiration to do work in the HIV field here in America. She obtained credentials as an HIV expert through the American Academy of HIV Medicine and has served on their pharmacist committee and Southeast Steering Committee. Mallory took a position as pharmacist with Walgreens and became their market HIV lead. She helped initiate the HIV Center of Excellence or Specialty Network Location Program in Louisville and Southern Indiana. She trained six local pharmacies and then more throughout the United States to become specialized in HIV. This involved medical training, cultural competency, inventory, among other things. Mallory served on the board of Kentuckiana AIDS Alliance, KAA, and became president for two years. This was her first experience running a 501c3 nonprofit organization. She was present during the HIV outbreak in Austin, Indiana, and visited the local clinic and worked with the University of Indiana and CDC to provide clinical support. As pharmacy manager, she helped open the first Walgreens local specialty pharmacy in Kentucky. She continued to specialize in HIV, but expanded to other specialty areas like hepatitis C, oncology, transplant, and chronic inflammatory diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, psoriasis, etc. She was then promoted to store manager of the specialty pharmacy. We are so excited to have you today, Mallory. Welcome to Boss Ladies. Um, And I'm especially excited because Mallory is actually my first cousin. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. And I'm so excited to be talking with you, Olivia. But it all started when I went to Purdue for pharmacy school. And I have to tell you, I honestly did not think I was going to get in. Quick story. So when I was applying to Purdue, I had a really long interview. And this was like an eight-hour interview. You had to go through campus and go through all these different experiences. And one of the things they had you do was answer a question on a video camera. And it was just you in a room by yourself. And it was a random question. And they just wanted to see if you could speak clearly and present yourself. So they asked me something that I like to bake. And I (laughs) I told this story about how my mom and I make brownies together and I love to make brownies. So I told this story, but I did not know how to end this weird question. So I just looked (laughs) at the camera and I said, I love brownies. And I turned the camera off. (laughs) So I was like, well, they're not going to let me in. I mean, you could just say thank you and and, (laughs) end the video. But I said, I love brownies. And they let me in. Um, so amazing. <laughs> um, Purdue was awesome. I got a great pharmacy education there. And during that time, I did work for Walgreens. I did an internship at Mayo Clinic. Through Purdue, I studied for a few months in Kenya. I studied HIV there. But I ended up sticking with community pharmacy with Walgreens. So Walgreens in Louisville had the opportunity 
to help patients living with HIV and develop some of the Walgreens specialty stores within their pharmacies. And that was the first time that they had started the HIV program in Louisville. So then I got credentialed through the American Academy of HIV Medicine, and I got involved in one of their steering committees, their pharmacist committee, and their Southeast steering committee. The Southeast part of the U.S. is largely affected by HIV compared to some other areas. So that was a good opportunity. And I just got as involved in the community as I could. So I joined a group called the Kentuckiana AIDS Alliance. And Louisville, Kentucky is right on the border of Indiana. So locals call this geography the Kentuckiana area. (laughs) Kentuckiana AIDS Alliance was a group that I became a part of. And And then from there, we started a Walgreens specialty pharmacy where all we do is specialty pharmacy. So yes, there's an HIV focus, but now we also are treating patients with cancer and transplant patients, people with hepatitis C or rheumatoid arthritis, all of these more complex disease states and really expensive medications helping improve access to care there. And that's where I am now. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. And what is your like day-to-day like within that? So my role within the Walgreens Specialty Pharmacy is I'm their registered store manager, so kind of like their site director. So I build relationships within the community with doctor's offices and with patient organizations and really try to increase awareness of the services we provide and then also manage the team there and help with the operations and workflow. Wow, that's awesome. And sounds like it's very, very rewarding. I'm curious, you touched a little bit about, you know, working in the field of HIV. And it sounds like from what I've heard, you you know, your work in that field is pretty inspiring and very impressive. So I'm dying to know, like, what piqued your interest in the field and like what continues to motivate you to do more work in that field? So my interest in studying HIV started from the Kenya experience through Purdue, I've always been kind of a homebody, actually. I mean, we went on family vacations, but I had never traveled extensively. So when Purdue had this opportunity to go to Africa, for some reason, I just felt called to do it. And I think my family was a little terrified, but it was honestly the most life-changing and one of the best experiences I've ever had, just to see the condition that healthcare was in and the conditions that people lived in. I mean, they had two patients per hospital bed, so they would have one patient from head to toe and the other patient right next to them kind of flipped around with their head on the other side in the same bed. So just the conditions alone, but it makes you realize when you come home there there is still work to be done here. So that really, I took that inspiration home and it altered the course of my whole career. I wanted to do work in HIV. So that's where I just looked for every opportunity to get involved in the community. So what support groups were out there or what opportunities within the pharmacy world were out there. So training other pharmacists in HIV within Walgreens was a good opportunity. Even among professionals and highly educated people, there's so much misinformation and perceptions about HIV, how it's transmitted. I had someone that was afraid to touch grocery carts in a grocery store because they thought they could get HIV if someone with HIV touched the shopping cart. Just educating people on the ways HIV is transmitted and not transmitted and helping reduce that stigma. And then from that community involvement, that's really kind of what kept me motivated and moving into other disease states too. So so learning more about cancer and transplant and what all of these people go through. Yeah. And that's super interesting. And 
obviously there's this huge issue in terms of education about HIV. And it seems like one of those things that you only learn about it when you or someone you know is really going through it. I am wondering as a society, what we could do to better educate everyone so that people don't have those fears like being in a grocery store and touching a grocery cart. Exactly. And HIV is considered a chronic condition now, just like diabetes or high blood pressure. So that's how healthcare looks at it. So I think it's just all about awareness. Totally. So Pharmacy Times and Parada Systems Next Generation Pharmacist named you the specialty pharmacist winner of 2018. So first of all, huge congratulations. But second of all, like, what was that like for you? And, and how has that motivated you to really continue making great strides in your career? Thank you. It was one of the biggest surprises that I have gotten as a professional. And I think what meant the most is that my peers, one of my supervisors at the time and one of my peers nominated me. So for your peers to nominate you and spend all the time on that was really touching. And then Walgreens had a big team at the award ceremony. So the award ceremony was in Boston. My husband, Luke, got to go with me. And so that was a good chance for us to get away. Our daughter was about 10 months at the time. So she stayed with my parents and it was just a good time for us to be together and celebrate, but we did not know who the winner was going to be until the awards program. So that was another surprise during the program is when they announced the winner. So they said to all the recipients, you may want to prepare a few words. We're not going to announce the winner until the actual program. So of course I didn't prepare. <laughs> I didn't think <laughs> I would get it. Um, but it was just so great to be there and it, it was humbling. Really what's humbling is the patients in specialty pharmacy. So like I said, they're going through cancer or they just got a transplant or they're living with HIV. So what they live through on a day-to-day -day basis is quite different from a lot of people and the challenges are unique and they're so strong and really the patients are inspiring. So credit all goes to them, but that award and that event has inspired me to continue taking the best care possible of specialty patients and also to pay it forward by mentoring students and residents. So I'm a preceptor for Purdue University of Kentucky and Sullivan University Colleges of Pharmacy and take students at the specialty pharmacy. So I try to pay it forward that way as well. I love that. So wait, when they called your name, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so I did kind of, I think, have a deer in headlights look for a moment. But my husband, Luke, is really outgoing. So he's immediately standing up and cheering. And it was <laughs> hilarious. So I think he was the most excited for sure. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's amazing. But I really love that you, you know, are trying to pay it forward and, and help because at the end of the day, like going back to education, like the more we can teach people and involve people, obviously, the more progress we're going to make from all ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. And during that award ceremony, I was actually 12 weeks pregnant with our second child. So all sorts of emotions going on there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so that's actually a great segue to my next question. Um, not only have you accomplished an insane amount, but you also have two children. I think about this a lot because I am always just like, wow, I can barely keep track of my own things. Imagine having two other lives to look after. So what has that been like for you? And, and how do you balance your career and your family? So I love this question. And it's funny you ask a question about work-life balance because there was, and I can't even remember who it was, but there was a celebrity that was recently asked about how she handles work-life balance. And she refused to answer it because she said, 
a man would not be asked that question. So I'm not going to answer it. And I understand equality and I understand that point of view. But to me, it's a missed opportunity because work-life balance is different for women than men, just because women and moms have different challenges than men. So for example, breastfeeding, men don't breastfeed. So things like pumping or working in a feeding schedule is a unique challenge that women go through. And if nothing else, sharing our story can help build up and inspire other women. So we can be kind of our own support group for each other. But balancing a career and family is just a day by day struggle. And (laughs) it's a beautiful struggle. And there's, there's mom guilt, mom guilt is so real. So guilty for working guilty for not working. So I think you just have to get rid of that guilt and just give yourself grace and be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself and everyone's doing the best they can. But time management is crucial. Multitasking is crucial. So I think I told you one time that I was pumping on the way to work. So that's, (laughs) that's a daily routine. So multitasking, um, getting that milk for the baby, but you, you you just do what you have to do. And And when you look at it that way, you're like, man, I was pretty efficient. So that's something that I call mom warrior status or, you know, women warriors, because that's, that's serious stuff pumping on your way to work or definitely. Oh, man, that sounds very (laughs) challenging. (laughs) So, you know, in life and, and actually even on this podcast directly, you know, women have admitted that they often want to hide the fact that they're a mom in order to prove they're equal to men in the workplace to like reduce the risk of being discriminated against for for being a woman or being a mom. And you mentioned to me and you kind of just alluded to this a little bit like women should not only not hide this, but that they should be fully embracing it as this is just another demonstrating factor of how strong women really are. So can you talk about this a little bit more? Sure. And I do think it's situational. So this would apply to men or women. You may not want to go into a job interview and talk about your five kids and their soccer schedule and how crazy busy you are a job interview may not be the most appropriate place for that. But also I think it's an opportunity for you to show how strong you are. And these are my planning skills and I'm really organized. And I think you can highlight your strengths from personal experience, not only professional experience. So I I just always think that's an opportunity to show how powerful women can be and how strong women are. So sometimes women are perceived as emotional or weak and, I think the more we can highlight our strengths, the more that will build women up and and bring awareness to our unique challenges and our unique strengths. It's not like we're trying to prove something because I don't think we have anything to prove to anyone. We're all just doing our thing and doing the best we can. But if nothing else, we can be lifting each other up and supporting each other. There's someone that's going to relate to what you're going through, whether it's work-life balance, or you're a stay-at-home mom and going through something, whatever you're going through, someone else is too. So just using that to not hide what you're going through, but but build others up. And the more you can relate to people, the more you'll feel supported too. Absolutely. And honestly, I'm even happy you just shared the the pumping story on the podcast, <laughs> because I'm sure there's some listener out there that's going to be like, I feel you. <laughs> Um, because, you know, we are all just trying to get through each day and do the best we can, like you said. So I think it's also really helpful to hear these stories, especially because like, 
you know, we have social media everywhere these days telling us, like showing us the highlight reel that everything's easy and everything's great. And look how cute my kids are and my work life is, I'm crushing it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's definitely really, really challenging. So it's amazing to hear stories like from women like you on, on how you sort of manage that work-life balance. Yes. And if you've seen Amy Schumer's Instagram, she posted all these crazy pictures about after she had her baby about what it's really like and same thing pumping. And I loved it because I was like, girl, that that is real life right there. So it's refreshing when people are just real with each other. Totally. We need more body positivity and and everything else that comes with that. Yes. <laughs> So then, you know, just just going back to sort of thinking about like being a woman in the workplace and what that can be like, I often ask, and it's actually one of my favorite questions, because hopefully there's some male listeners who can actually benefit from hearing this. But, you know, what do you think that men can be doing to be better allies for women in the workplace? So I've thought about this, and I think the biggest thing men can do, and probably honestly humans in general, is just to get rid of any assumptions. How much better would the world be if we didn't assume things about each other? So not making assumptions about the limitations of women or how busy women are or how insensitive men are, but just not making assumptions about anyone's life. Don't assume that a working mom is always going to have to leave early or always have a conflict. I think it's a lot more fun if you let people surprise you. So you're going to be surprised what someone can bring to the table and not have any preconceived notions. The other thing I think men can do is just ask questions and care. Just show that you care about someone else personally, especially in the workplace. There is a balance between professionalism and personal relationships, but if you care about someone personally and get to know them, I think the working relationship is often a lot better and more effective as well. And also, I think from the perspective of an ally in the LGBTQ community, so working in the field of HIV, I consider myself an ally in the LGBTQ community and I'm in a lot of those organizations, but don't pretend to understand what anyone else is going through either. That's also where asking questions comes into play. So I may not know personally what someone struggling with cancer or HIV or diabetes is going through on a day-to-day basis. And I'm not going to pretend to understand what they're going through, but not assuming I know what it's like for them and asking questions and just trying to learn as much as I can about how they manage their day-to-day can be really inspiring as well. I think what you just said is super powerful. And it's something like we often forget as allies to all groups and all people, or I should say all minority groups and all people. But it's so true. Like at the end of the day, unless you're going through something, you really, you can relate in theory or you can empathize. But I definitely think you can never actually know what that person feels unless you're going through that situation So I think that's super powerful. And and I love that you just said that. So aside from being a mom, although I'm sure that's the most obvious answer, what is a challenge that you faced in your career? And can you tell us like how you overcame it and any advice you may have for others who could be in a similar situation right now? Sure. One of the biggest challenges professionally in my career coming from an education of 
healthcare and being patient focused. I've had lots of opportunities that are more business focused. So for example, I was involved in the Kentuckiana AIDS Alliance, which is a local AIDS service organization that raises funds to help people living with HIV, provide support groups. We run the Louisville AIDS Walk every year. So through continued involvement, I actually became president of that organization pretty much running a 501c3 nonprofit organization was way out of my comfort zone and brand new to me. So that was a huge challenge, but so, so rewarding. And what a leadership opportunity as an ally even to lead that group. And similarly, starting the Walgreens Specialty Pharmacy from the ground up. So our Walgreens Specialty location was the first specialty pharmacy with Walgreens in the state of Kentucky. But from the day the construction started, I got to walk in there and see them building it up. And then the day the doors opened, we had zero patients. And then being out in the community and asking for the opportunity to help people just growing that business and getting more patients and being able to help more people. So those are two things that really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And I think you just have to care and believe in what you do. If you care about what you're doing and you believe that there's a purpose behind what you're doing, that's where your success is. You have to really believe in the cause. And then also learning to advocate for what you need to be successful. So how can you express to others what you need and ask for help and also be building other people up? So kind of balancing all of those things. And most importantly is having good mentors and good role models and a good support system. So we are lucky enough to have amazing role models and mentors within our own family. But And at our grandmother's funeral, actually, I talked about how the women in our family are so strong and I want to live up to that legacy. But our grandmother was highly educated and pioneered the way in her day for just going to college and, and being career focused. And my mom worked so, so hard and I just admire so many women in our family. So I think recognizing that and surrounding yourself with those people and really learning from them is key to whatever challenge you are facing. Couldn't agree more. And and you're right. We are both very lucky that we have had <laughs> such amazing women. Your mom, my mom, our grandmother, our aunt, all have paved the way for us and really shown us what it means to be a boss lady. Yes. <laughs> I do want to go back to one of the things you said for a second of you sort of stepping into this this leadership role and, and becoming president of that organization. Like, how did you handle that emotionally? And and like, do you have any advice for someone that also might be stepping into a leadership role that maybe is is new to them and they're excited? But I don't know, like you said, maybe from an ally perspective. Sure, of course, it is overwhelming and. In my head, I know I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not experienced enough for this. I'm so young. I, I I had lived in Louisville for maybe six or seven years, but it's not like I lived here my whole life. I still had a lot to learn about the area. So there are all these things going through your head that can bring you down really, really quickly and all these what ifs and worries. And you just have to find someone that you can confide in So I learned from the previous presidents what worked well for them, what didn't. And I think the biggest key to success there is just asking questions. I was not about to walk into that role as president of a nonprofit and pretend that I knew exactly what to do and knew everything. I spent so many meetings asking for feedback. What 
asking the group, what is your vision for this group? What is your vision for the Louisville AIDS Walk? What has worked well in the past? And what do you think will work well in the future? What changes do we need to make? I think some of the best leaders that I've seen or that I've tried to model after ask so many questions. So instead of talking, it's all about just gathering information and bringing out leadership in others. So it's really a group effort. And that's what I think a leader or a president of an organization does is, is bring out the talent in, in their people and others. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely that it's really important to solicit feedback because I think also when people are sharing how they're feeling and then you as a leader are incorporating that, I think people then are even more excited to continue promoting the mission and, and working on whatever you guys are working towards. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is actually really relevant right now, because this is something that a couple of my friends and I have been talking about, because we're very early in our careers, and we're looking to sort of advocate for ourselves, whether it's in an interview or for asking a manager for a promotion or anything like that. So I'm curious, like what advice you have for women to be better at advocating for themselves? I think we really have to practice positive self-talk. Women are so hard on themselves. I know that I am, but oftentimes you're your own worst critic and getting down on yourself and maybe I don't deserve this. And what if they say this or what if they ask me that? So I think that positive self-talk and saying, okay, I got this. These are my strengths. This is what I can bring to the table and even visualization. So going back even to high school, I was a competitive swimmer, but our coach would have us before big meets, lay next to the pool and close our eyes and visualize the race. So you actually visualize yourself going through the race and winning. And he would even have us time ourselves. And sometimes it was crazy. When you opened your eyes, it was like the exact time that you wanted to finish that race in. So I think spending the time to meditate and visualize that conversation or visualize yourself going into the office and how you want to present yourself and preparing what questions might be asked of me or what do I need to be prepared to highlight. I think there is a lot to be said for preparation, visualization, positive self-talk. And when you're in that room, also grounding yourself. So I am a processor. I need to really think about things and prepare things. And I don't always feel that one of my strengths is advocating in the moment when I get asked a difficult question. But my mom actually taught me if you ground yourself, physically put both of your feet on the floor, put your hands in your lap and take a deep breath. If you just focus on both of your feet being on the floor, it sounds so weird. It's like a yoga mentality. (laughs) I love Um, this. But it really helps. And my mom has helped me work through that. So you focus on your breathing, you focus on being grounded, and it just calms you. So you're not fidgeting. And that has really helped as well. I am literally doing that right now and I'm for sure going to keep trying to do that. And I think that's also a really great way for my, like to be mindful. Yes. I also love what you said about sort of like envisioning the conversation beforehand. My dad likes to call that pre-paving. And I know for a fact that when he hears this, this portion of the podcast, he's going to play it for me over and over and over because he is always telling me I should do that more. And I'm not great at listening, of course, because it's coming from my dad. But now that it came from you, I'm totally going to try it. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Awesome. So then like my last question for you really is just, you know, they say women don't brag about themselves enough. So I really love to ask this question in each episode. You know, what do you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments? The cliche answer would be my kids. And that is (laughs) that is totally the cliche answer. But 
my world got a whole lot bigger with those two babies. So they have just opened my eyes and given me perspective to so many things. And career is wonderful. And I believe so strongly in what we do at our specialty pharmacy and how medication impacts people. So I never would want to give up my career, Um, but my children are for sure my best accomplishment. And professionally, I am proud of even the little things, just pushing myself outside my comfort zone. And I think no one should ever be afraid to do that. So I never growing up thought I was going to be an advocate for HIV. I didn't even really know anything about it, but expanding your horizons and going to Kenya and then kind of pioneering some efforts. So being president of the Kentuckiana AIDS Alliance and starting this specialty pharmacy from the ground up and really building relationships with people in the community and taking leadership positions, anything that's out of your comfort zone, I don't think you'll ever look back at and regret. And those are the things that have helped me grow as a person and grow professionally and keep me excited for the future. I'm always looking, okay, what can I push myself to do next? I think it's amazing. And honestly, I love that you've really followed what you're passionate about because, you know, they always say if you're doing what you're passionate about, then it's not really a job and it's more just a way of life. So (laughs) for sure, you have to believe in it. And Kathy Lee Gifford says, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. So find your purpose and go with it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Mal. This has been awesome. And I have loved talking to you and hearing about your career and all the advice you have for us. Check back soon for another episode of Boss Ladies. 